When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Welcome to Tech Magic, the podcast where we dive deep into technology and figure out if something is the future or just a fad. This is your host, Kathy Hackle. I'm a tech and gaming executive at Journey and also a futurist. And I am joined by my amazing guest co-host, Lee Keebler. Lee, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I am great. I have to tell you, our last episode, by far my favorite. Amazing. <laughs> Well-received. Like, you and I had a blast. But I, folks fun. did too. <laughs> yeah, I had um, people message me like, you guys are having so much fun. I'm having fun along with you. Um, you've heard some feedback too, right? What are what are folks telling oh, you? Oh, it's all been positive. Yeah, it's all been positive. And I'd, I'd like to keep it that way. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's been really good. Um, but we're on episode five. I, I mean, that feels pretty deep into the season at this point that's that's pretty incredible this is your second season um and we're halfway through this one so like it's actually I, my I'm, third season so i had two seasons third. of metaverse marketing and then we changed it up so this is like season uh, three but it's really season one so i don't know <laughs> it's starting to get into star wars territory know, of right? like what episode season <laughs> prequel <right>? sequel <laughs> i don't know <laughs> i don't know um so anyway how how have been um you know how have you been the last couple of days what's on your mind you know, I had a great weekend. Um, it, we're fully into the the fall weather here, and it's just continued to hold on, which has been nice. Um, we spent a lot of time with some friends. We went over to uh, our neighbor's place. They had a um, a little like neighborhood get together, which I think oh. is like a nice reminder of how things used to be. And now we're kind of getting back into that swing. It's taken a little while for things to like thaw out in Portland, Oregon, you know, and 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 people are starting to hang out and stuff which is probably crazy for people listening on the west on the east coast but i don't know it's it's taking a little bit longer for people to kind of get back together over here um but all of our neighbors got together and we kind of had a little uh cocktail party or whatever you want to call it um but my neighbor is really into like music oh. as as am i yeah. um and has just this incredible record collection and we immediately started i mean half of the night was talking about the the new beatles final song uh, and I throw final with a question mark at the end because you just don't know. You don't but know, it, right? You don't know. You don't know. Uh, but it was just this really interesting thing that has occurred last week. Um, for those who don't know, uh, the Beatles have released their final song um, now and then. Uh, and it was only capable because of the technology finally allowed for it to happen. Um, and... I, 
I, we kind of touched on this mm-hmm. a few a few episodes ago when we started talking about like Robin Williams and his voice being reused, being you know leveraged by AI to bring back Genie from Aladdin, and how people felt yeah. about that, especially with uh, Robin Williams being passed away. And what I really appreciated, if you haven't listened to it, go check out that song because I think it is a beautiful song. It's beautiful. Um, you sent it to me, and I was like blown away. Um, yeah. And tell folks a little bit more. Like, I mean, this is like. New territory. The song's doing pretty good on the charts, as I understand. As it should. It's yeah. a, it's a just genuinely a good song. So what I didn't know, and there was a really awesome little mini documentary that they released before they released the song. And then after they released the song, they released the music video. So they did it over like the course of like three days. But doing the mini documentary, it's about 15 minutes online. Um, and you can see it on like the Beatles YouTube channel. Uh, brought in the full story of like, no, we did not use AI to recreate John Lennon's voice to write new Beatles music. That's not what this was. Um, evidently, this was was based off of tapes that Yoko had um, of John in his yeah. home piano writing songs. It's just this old 70s mono tape. So it didn't sound great. And in 1995, uh, the band got a hold of these tapes and said, you know, we really like this song. Mm-hmm. We're going to try and finish this song out. So uh, George, Paul, and Ringo go into the studio. And this is right early yeah. when computers started getting involved into recording studios. Uh, and they tried to make it happen. And just it just wasn't feasible mm-hmm. at the time. So they had John's voice with a piano, which was all mixed on a single monotape, which is at the time impossible to separate. And then they had all of these attempts from the other three in 1995 in a professional studio where it was recorded. And evidently as they, as they worked on uh, the documentary that's on Disney plus right now about the Beatles, um, they realized like, Oh, the technology had progressed a well enough to actually separate these vocals and like make these better um, using machine learning. And so they use that machine learning to separate those vocals and get John's vocal out of it. Um, And so now they've got, two members who are passed. You have mm-hmm. George and John who are gone and, and Paul and Ringo got together and said, you know, they really wanted to finish this song and they knew George would have signed off. Mm-hmm. And in 1995, they'd come to terms that, that John would have wanted to sign off. So they were able to take a mixture of John's original vocals on this tape separated and they sound amazing. That is so crazy, George's right? work. You know, it's, 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 it's Like haunting. when I listened to it, it I was like, oh my gosh, goosebumps. It's beautifully yeah. haunting. And then they were they had George's work from 1995 from that studio session. And then they were able to go into a new studio with uh, Paul and Ringo and finish the song. And it is a gorgeous song. Um, and someone, I read a review that really hit the nail on the head because they made a comment of Paul's voice. I mean, he's, he's older now, so mm-hmm. he sounds older. And there's this bit of Paul's voice that just doesn't sound like young Paul, which of course it wouldn't. And so in, in that review, they made this, comment of that's why this is a perfect song because you've got now and then right you've got now which is paul's older voice and then then which is john's younger voice right and it's just like this perfect combination um and so then they released the music video and i don't know if you've gotten a chance to see i haven't seen the music video i heard the song i need to sit down and watch it the Um, music video brings it all home um, because they go in and they digitally remaster old Beatles music and they bring the Beatles in together. And they don't try to like fake as if yeah. John were older, right? So you've got them in, 
you know, Sergeant Pepper costumes alongside old George and Ringo in the studio. It, it's beautiful. Wonder, it's, it's goofy. I wonder if I'm going to get like Avatar, you know, the ABBA Avatar um, show, if I'm going to get those vibes. I don't know. Oh. I don't know. Um, it's, it's, what I do love is it's beautiful, but it's goofy. Like mm-hmm. they, they bring, they bring the younger, youthful, like weird, goofy side funny, of the Beatles. Yeah. Yeah. Into it. And it's, it's not like, this is something we want you to tear up over. Although well, I'm sure plenty probably of people will. did. I mean, I, yeah. like I, said, I got goosebumps. I was like, oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So yeah, we got into the whole conversation about this over our, our, you know, cocktail party this weekend and it got deep, you know, as, as we are able to go back and remaster music that was never, that never had a chance yeah. to be released. I don't want to say never was meant to be released, but never had a chance to be released. I think it's just going to bring for a continuation mm. of, of music for a while. Anyways, that was my weekend. How was yours? <laughs> just that, you know, deep conversation about bringing, you know, John Lennon back to life uh, via music. But okay. Uh, no, my weekend was great. Very relaxing. Uh, we don't have our fall neighbors uh, get together till next weekend. So that'll be ours. Um, spent a lot of time with my kids. Uh, there was a really interesting, um, you know, reporting that was done by NPR on how you should play video games with your kids. Uh, I, I sent it to you. We'll include a link. And it got me thinking a lot about like, yeah, the time I spend with my kids playing with them and having fun and making memories and everything. So, um, yeah, I actually was decided the Sunday after, you know, after just, you know, just thinking about that. I was like, we were all kind of hanging out at the house and they were bored. And I was like, guys, let's just play Mario, Mario Kart. And we played some Mario Kart. It was fun. They, I am such a bad Mar- Mario Kart player. Like, I'll be honest. I suck at it. I'm bad. Um, but my kids enjoy that I'm so bad. Because <laughs> even my seven-year-old beats me. It's crazy. Um, you know, I like gaming. I'd never said I'm good at it. Okay? <laughs> that is what's brilliant about Mario Kart is it it naturally levels the playing field in some ways, right? <laughs> like the people in the back always get the best, you know, uh, power pickups and, and mm-hmm. red turtle shells and things that they can play. I I, I think... Mario Kart might be one of the best balanced video games mm-hmm. for a family to play together. It's, I mean, we have such a good time when we do it. And of course, I mean, they make fun of me and then I'm like, I'm going to be, you know, it was, it was so funny. It was, it was fun, but yeah, you know, anyone listen to this, I urge you to kind of spend time with your kids. There's many activities you can do, but if they enjoy gaming, play with them, like yeah. get in there, play with them. Like, this is actually fun. Um, even if you're not like a gamer family, just, you know, spend some time with them. I think some of the biggest edu- like education I ever got in understanding Generation Alpha and kind of gaming as culture has been playing with them, you know, inside Roblox or they're, they're too young for Fortnite just yet. And um, I, we have some news about Fortnite. I'm not going to I'm going to go into it in a second. But I will tell you that we have a correction. We have okay. to make a correction. This is coming from the weekend. I sat down and I was talking to my daughter and we're talking to, I was talking to my daughter and a couple of her friends that were over They're you know, middle schoolers. And I was saying, yeah, you know, on the podcast, I talked about the dance and how you guys were dancing, dancing to Soldier Boy Superman. And my daughter's like, uh, mom, uh-uh, that's not the name of the song. So I have to, we have to issue a correction. Okay. For any Soldier oh. Boy fans out there, <laughs> it is not called Superman, it is called Crank That, okay? It, technically, yes, that is right. That is right. <laughs> so yeah. at that moment, I'm like, are you serious? I said to my daughter, and then, you know, of course, I go to Alexa, and I said, Alexa, 
can you play Crank That by Super, by Soldier Boy? And obviously it started playing, you know, that, what I call the Superman song. So uh, any, anyway, issuing a It is weird here. though, right. But like, that's weird that a middle, middle schooler knew the correct <laughs> name of the song more than the people who like lived through it. <laughs> I know, which is weird. I was like, yeah, okay. Um, but all her and all her friends were like, yeah, that's the, that's the name of the song. How did you not know that, Mrs. Hackle? I don't know. I don't know. That was, you know, my weekend is always around the kids and stuff. But um, I am in New York. I flew last night. I'm in the wonderful Conrad Hotel in Midtown uh, waiting in about in about three hours. I've got a glam squad kind of showing up. I've got hair and makeup and my wardrobe kind of showing up because I have to go to the Oscars of fashion uh, for the CFDA awards. Um, Yeah, I'm so excited. I can't tell you, Lee, like. I am thrilled. Like Anne Hathaway is hosting and she's going to be on stage at some point with Anna Wintour and we're going to get serious Devil Wears Prada memes this week. (laughs) I cannot wait. And then Serena Williams is getting honored as a fashion icon. She's the first athlete. We're going to talk a little bit about sports as well in the podcast, but I'm just, you know, I don't know. I'm just super thrilled. I'll have a lot to share, I think, for for episode six. Now, do you think you're going to see anything that dives even close into the wearable technology space here. Ooh, that would be a statement if someone had a humane AI pin on them on the red carpet. We might, who knows. I mean, I mean we've seen color ch- we've seen yeah. like the the color changing clothes with the, like the 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 stuff that Adobe's been playing with. I don't expect to see that there. Mm-hmm. Humane pin is out there. A wearable headwear is out there. I'm just curious at what point does that really dive into these type of like fashion shows. I don't know. I mean, Serena is married to Alexis Ohanian. So he's a tech, you know, he's a super techie, obviously. I'm, I'm, you know, full disclosure, I'm an LP in his fund. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe he shows up with it. I don't know. Let me get back to you. I mean, I hadn't thought about the tech. I was just so focused on the fashion, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> and I'm like geeking out. Oh, ooh, okay. This is going to be exciting. So anyway, that's kind of like my last couple Full of report next week. Yeah. So we'll have more next week. All right, let's start with some fad or future. Um, I'll start with this one. Huge, huge last couple of days for Fortnite. Okay, so congratulations, Fortnite. Epic Games, crushing it. Uh, Here's what happened over the weekend. Um, They launched um, their new, um, I think they call call it Seasons. Is it the season? I can't remember, but they they launched kind of an OG version of Fortnite. Okay, and... Everyone was thrilled about it because they've included some of the things from the original, you know, the original season. And basically, they got insane numbers. This is how crazy it got. So this is a um, a post on LinkedIn from Paul Doyle, head of corporate strategy at Epic Games. And Epic Games also tweeted about this. Saturday was the biggest day in Fortnite's history with over 44.7 million players jumping in and 102 million hours of play. That's huge. Those numbers are amazing. I mean, everyone's raving about Fortnite kind of coming back to its roots. Nostalgia is reigning very strong here. Um, it's cool because it's engaging the younger, newer, younger players that are just coming in and maybe weren't part of the initial, you know, seasons. And now kind of the, the people that have been playing for a long time. So um, I even posted about it on Instagram and asked people if they wanted to join my Fortnite squad because my kids, you know, they don't play Fortnite and they think I'm not cool enough to be in their squad when they, ha- when they have one. So people on Instagram were very nice saying, yes, I'll join your squad. But crazy numbers for Fortnite. Congratulations, Epic Games. 
That's that's incredible. And it's not too surprising, right? Because there is this well, one, it's surprising that that Fortnite is old enough to have throwback levels and content, right? Like <laughs> that in and of itself makes me feel a little old. Um but there we've kind of hit this point in gaming where um the game quality is at a point where like we're not pining for better graphics mm-hmm. in many ways we're, we're but we can look back and go wow some of those games were really good uh, nintendo's been doing this a ton where they've been remastering old games that came out when i was a kid and they're real releasing them at full price yeah. and now people are playing them over again i mean what november 17th uh mario rpg comes out this was a mm-hmm. um this was a uh combination project back in 1995 with square enix who Mm -hmm. did the mana series and all of these other you know really popular rpgs um and they've never re-released that that game i don't know why but like since 1995 that that game's just not i think it was on you could get it as the original but they never like remade it and now they're remaking it and it's going to do well and the goal is I hope that they stay faithful to it. Like this is what all the reviews Mm -hmm. are like, please let's stay faithful to the original game here. Uh, So when you see something like Fortnite, go back to what made Fortnite popular in the first place. um, I could see that formula working, right? It worked the first time. Why not bring it back? And you do kind of have to treat it like the McRib a little bit, right? Because if you you just leave it it on the menu. Yeah. It'll, it'll get, Yeah. Oh, goodness. it's the okay. shamrock shake of video game. All right. Like you can only do it for so long. And it's like, if it's on the menu forever, I don't yeah, really want it. Yeah. It's actually, it's a lot of hashtag Fortnite OG. Um, this is really interesting. I love this combination. Um, some folks have been on TikTok. Uh, it's kind of a trend on TikTok of people posting pictures of themselves when they started playing Fortnite. So like the original Fortnite and mm. uh, showing how they look now. So like, you know, now, like now, you know, now versus then kind of, you know, original Fortnite. How it started, how it's going. Exactly. (laughs) So very nostalgic. And um, also apparently um, it's also translating into strong UEFN numbers as well. So, you know. I could see that. Yeah. And they needed to put, they needed to boost that a little bit because that, yeah, I'm honestly, I'm surprised. I'm sure someone was doing some of the old maps and things like that in UEFN. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so Fortnite uh, Creative also also seeing kind of an impact. But yeah, just congratulations, Epic Games. Like great, well done. Um, just very exciting, very exciting numbers. So like people that are th- that's the thing. I always go back to this. Like gaming is such a massive, massive industry, and it deserves more attention, deserves more respect. Gaming is culture. I mean, I don't know. I I just I don't get it when people. When when I talk to executives in a lot of brands, I'm just like, don't you see? Don't don't these numbers are amazing. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, uh, it it's the world, and games have always been part of the world, right? Like this is this isn't new. Um, this is just we moved them to a screen, and of course that would make logical sense. Um, and a lot of those people who say, oh, I don't understand gaming, they sunk a lot of hours into like Angry Birds on their mobile phone. <laughs> They're just not thinking about gaming in. <laughs> A, a holistic sense, mm-hmm. I think, you know. Yeah. So gaming, uh, once again, you know, crushing it. So future or fad, you think, uh, bring in nostalgia, let's say this, uh, bring in nostalgia back into gaming. Is that future? future. Yeah. 
I'm with future. You. I mean, I, I've made this argument with Tetris for for mm-hmm. years, right? Like they're going to keep making Tetris games because the core mechanic of Tetris is genius, and they'll keep bringing it back. Um, you know, it's why Mario is my age right now. You know. <laughs> oh goodness. <laughs> 23. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah sure. sure. <laughs> that reminds me of Call of Duty turning 20, but yes. Um, <laughs> uh, so interesting stuff also, like we've talked about the Fri- Five Nights at Freddy's FNAF crushed it at the box office. Um, they did amazing the first weekend. They're also doing good. Not as great, but second weekend, but still crushing it's it. Post-Halloween. It's post-Halloween. Post so, you know, Freddy Fansbear versus Freddy Krueger. So Freddy, Freddy Fansbear <laughs> kind of uh, kind of Halloween it was. Uh, but yeah, doing great. I mean, proving how powerful gaming is and not just, you know, uh, I think I read something that it's like the second biggest uh, video game opening for a movie after uh, after Mario. After Super Mario Brothers, so yeah. I, I I take issue with that because technically, and I know what they mean, <laughs> but technically Barbie had some video games, has there a lot go. of video okay. games. Okay, so you still gotta hand it over to Barbie on that one a little bit. I, now, what they mean is based on a video game. Based on so a video I'll, game. I'll, I'll I'll all right, Ken, allow it. You got but it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um. So yeah. Okay, we've got that. Let's talk a little bit about. Some of the news that are coming out around tech and sports, and um, I'll kind of paraphr- I'll, I'll, I'll I'll kind of just mention a little bit why we're going into this territory um, because you know this is not a sports podcast, <laughs> obviously, um, but there's a lot of technology and a lot of things, a lot of changes I think happening in the sports side um, of the house, right? Uh, so just for for reference, um, my son uh, plays in a flag football league. So flag football, not like regular American football. And by football, I mean, you know, I don't mean soccer. <laughs> I mean, you know, football in the American in the American way. So he does flag football, which is pretty much similar to American football, but you've got these little flags hanging out, hanging down. And instead of tackling someone, you remove the flags, right? So just explaining that for folks that haven't, don't have a visual. Uh, you know, actually my dad, I took him to a couple games and he was like, oh, okay, now I understand. He's not playing American football. So no, he's playing flag football. So he's been doing this for about three years. Um, his league is doing great. Uh, I love that it's both boys and girls playing together in the teams. It's mixed. Uh, and flag football has actually just become an Olympic sport for the 2028 Summer Olympics um, alongside cricket and some other sports. So you're going to start to see, you know, sports evolving and changing super fast, especially with younger generations. You already have, like I mentioned to you, you already have NFL players saying they want to, they want to go to the Olympics and play flag football. Cause you know, that's, you know, American football isn't necessarily, um, you know, Olympic sport. So lots of changes there happening with sports. And this led us down to look at what's happening with sports and exercise in the uh, technology space, right? A lot of stuff happening, a lot of changes but we came across news that Zumba the you know the exercise the dance is coming to virtual reality and we had a little interesting discussion in our you know in our slack channel about that Lee are you gonna are you gonna Zumba in VR uh, I don't Zumba in real life <laughs> um, uh, probably not do you probably work out in, do you work out in, in virtual reality? Uh, I work in virtual work. reality. Okay. 
Um, no, I, I have, I have, uh, it's not my medium of choice. I know some people absolutely love it. They get really into it. Um, it's one of those things where I, I kind of like keep thinking I want to do it. Uh, but I don't know. I, I, my big gripe with (laughs) working out in VR is that they keep trying to tie every, now there are some games that this, some workout games that this does not apply to, mm-hmm. so I'm not calling the whole industry as a whole out on this. But by and large, a lot of the workout apps are all this subscription-based, like they're trying to reinvent Peloton over here. And yeah. it's just one of those things where I'm like, I don't know if it's it's there for the subscription model quite yet. Um, I think that <laughs> the the headsets have to, some, some changes in hardware still have to occur, um, I think, for it to become more plausible it's definitely closer now than it ever has been before we have better ventilation the lenses don't fog up mm-hmm. you know um you can get uh, people who do work out in it typically will change out the uh the face interface yeah. for something that can like deal with sweat which is probably the smart thing to do um by and large but i don't know i got into the concept of it early um when a company called uh box vr came out they're now fit vr which oh, is yeah. the company that's doing yeah, yeah, the yeah. the zumba stuff that you're talking about now and i don't know i bought i, I kind of have a little beef with them a little bit i mean i forgive them it's fine uh <laughs> but i was in that like early adopter phase where it's like yeah i paid full price for the application they're like and jk we're going to go to subscription based mm-hmm. and that caused a whole kerfuffle online yeah. and people got really upset and granted we're talking about like maybe a thousand people right mm-hmm. like because like it's not like it had a massive adoption out the gate and i'm i'm in the the boat of if you have a small early adopter yeah. group you should phone them in yeah to you just whatever. grandfather them in yeah like <laughs> yeah, I, I agree with so, you and that didn't and that didn't happen. So I'm just kind of like I'm a little salty about that. I don't know, but I will say like between them and like I think the stuff that Supernatural is doing mm-hmm. is also really good. I think Supernatural, but and they did it right, right? They came out of the gate saying we're going to do a subscription based model. Mm-hmm. Here's what it is. If that's for you, then this is what we're doing. I'm cool with that. There was there was no like turnaround of the tables here. Yeah. Um. And and I think Supernatural's work from what I saw. Yeah. If people paid really close attention to mm-hmm. the Meta Connect, um, there were, and it's not out yet, and I can't say any more of this. Is you have to go back and watch the Meta oh, Connect and okay. really pay attention. Mm, Easter egg. There's, here. A, uh-huh. yeah, there's an Easter egg in that Connect that I picked up on where there's an augmented reality image on a wall in their presentation when they're like explaining augmented reality in the quest three, that is definitely supernatural because it has the supernatural logo at the bottom corner. I don't know what it does. I don't know what it's doing there. I don't know what it means, but (laughs) one can logically conclude that they're going to start leveraging augmented reality very heavily in your workout programs um, with the new quest three. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. So I've tried, I've tried working out in VR. Like I enjoy it. I'm not like, I haven't done Zumba. I'm going to try it out and see, you know, I'll see how that goes. Cause I do love Zumba, but we'll see. I, I have friends though, like Leslie Shannon from Nokia who loves working out in virtual reality. I think sometimes she travels with her VR headset for me. It's a VR headset or a pair of shoes. So right now I'm going for the shoes to be honest, (laughs) because there's usually a gym in every hotel. So I'm good. But yeah, we'll have to see. You know, obviously sports working out is one of the big case, you know, use cases potentially for 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 this type of technology. And it's one that, you know, you've seen on stage and a lot of different presentations. So 
Well, what, what would it mean? what would it take for it to be like? I prefer this over the gym for you. It's got to be smaller. Like it's got to be more lightweight. Mm-hmm. It's it literally I can just put it in my purse. And I could put yeah. it in my purse, but I already have a lot of stuff in my purse. I've got to take the, you know, laptop. I've got to take the chargers. <laughs> got to take yeah. all this stuff, right? Um, so, yeah, once it's, like, super easy to just, like, put it in the bag and just go, boom. Like, of course I'm going to use it. So, yeah. I, I don't know. It's, what, not a, it's, not a, it's not a software feature that you're missing then. No, it's more like it's got to be easy, especially I travel so much that I'm usually doing carry-on. So, like, yeah. space is a premium, right? It's yeah. at a premium. So, if I've got, you know, three days of work and I've got different events, like, I got to just fit so much into that carry-on. So, so I think that is, that is for me, kind of what I'm waiting for is something that's a little bit smaller, not as heavy. I mean, it's getting – it's not as heavy, obviously, now. Like, it's gotten a lot better, but I still need that space. I still need a little bit more space. So, we'll see. We'll see. So, anyway, so working out in virtual reality, fad or future? Mm, Mm. tricky um i think for some future Mm. but it is i think right now a little bit of a fad i'm with you on this one a little bit i mean i love zoom but don't get me wrong and i know a lot of people work out in vr it it just needs to get better in some ways and i feel like yeah now there's a lot of people who consider a game like beat saber which is a rhythm based game as part of their workout regimen and it can Mm -hmm. do quite a bit i mean you're you're doing squats you're doing arm movements people are attaching weights to their controllers Mm -hmm. to give them uh resistance so in that case i think people will continue to do that right Mm -hmm. that game's not going away anywhere but so let's say it's a little bit of both yeah it's It's a little little bit bit of both both columns one foot in each uh, fad future here Okay. Yeah, I'm going to phone that answer. <laughs> well, there we go. There we go. We'll be safe. We'll be safe. We'll say one of each. We're going to go to break. Um, we're going to come back with an amazing interview with Pico Velasquez. She's an amazing, amazing computational architect that is doing a, a great work when it comes to VR, AR, spatial computing, immersive experiences. Uh, she She's just fantastic to talk to. It's like an, a little bit of a longer interview, but just a very interesting perspective on architecture, design, and where this is all going, and how physical and, and, uh, and virtual converge. So we're going to go to break. I'm going to go relax, <laughs> de-stress, and we'll be back after uh, after the interview. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. All 
right. Today, I'm joined by Pico Velasquez. Pico, welcome to Tech Magic. Hi. Thank you, Kathy, for having me here. It's a pleasure. Oh, I'm thrilled to have you here. I'm a big fan of the work that you do. Um, I want, you know, for, for a lot of people do know you, especially in the architecture and design space and XR space. Uh, but for those that don't know, like, can you provide some insights into your background and your journey into the world of the metaverse? Any highlights along the way? So would love to hear from you. Absolutely. So um, like you mentioned, I'm, a, I'm an architect. So I started off with traditional architecture, um, then going into computational design, which is data driven architecture, parametric architecture, which was a big movement that was happening around the time that, that I was studying. Um, I did architecture and mathematics, then, uh, like I said, computational design at Harvard, very specifically oriented around complex geometry, um, sensors, activations that had to do with like, um, I think that's like the connecting of the physical and the virtual of like physical um, activations that could enhance or, or distort or change uh, digital content or certain um, um, structural um, I guess like different frameworks that, that could be adapted given um, this data frameworks. And, um, and then the last part was sustainability, um, which had a lot to do with uh, computational fluid dynamics and energy consumptions, um, and just like understanding the space and how an architecture building or city behaves in, in context of the um, environment and, and its uh, sustainability perspective. So that's how I got started. Um, I went then into like multimedia, which is like the connection of physical and virtual through projection mapping, um, phone integrations, um, screens, etc. A lot of great projects like led me to that. So some of the biggest projects I've worked on has been the Google headquarters with uh, BR Kingles group, which recently got built, which is very exciting to see like how I was part of like some of the initial concepts up to design development of the canopy of that structure, which had a lot of sustainability components involved. Um, and then the Hard Rock Casino Hotel, um, the Ombia Theater uh, project that I did for Samsung Social Galaxy with Kenzo Digital um, also was a lot of like physical architecture with interactivity, like, um, multimedia with projection mapping. Um, the Hard Rock Casino Hotel has water, which is also integrated with data, which is super cool. And a lot of like uh, lighting effects that were done by focus lighting that is um, in conjunction with the music that plays in the space. And just like a lot of cool stuff about thinking about um, the experience and this like combination of experience. And it's only been like more recently in the past three years or so um, that I started delving more into these virtual worlds and these virtual capabilities and understanding like beyond uh, the design of a space, like what does it mean? Um, like when you're designing a game, because um, I was part of the, the creative director of a video game called Super Forest, um, which was very particular and I'll explain a little bit more further about that game of how that helps like integrate physical and virtual. But you start understanding that it's not just about designing a space, as you do in architecture, it is a lot about like the architectural component, how people behave inside of this space, but the one-on-one -on -one interactions um, it, with that environment inside of virtual gaming um, has a lot more intricacies than, than the physical one. So it's like um, a lot of congruencies and a lot of discongruencies that I, that I had to learn, which are really fun. Um, and then I think um, just, just like, like you, I'm a fan of emerging technologies and how this fits into the space that, that, that we conduct, whether that's brand experiences, um, designing of, you know, buildings or, uh, or cities of the future and then going into like infrastructure and systems. Um, but everything from spatial computing um, to blockchain web three, which is a big movement a couple of years ago that we saw how that, um, you know, how, how that moved a lot of different industries in, in some positive and, and negative ways, of course. Um, and, and then AI, which is like the, the hot topic right now of how AI is, is definitely gonna, gonna change the landscape for, for all of us, including um, architecture and, and urban design. 
And I, I love the work you do because I feel like you're this new breed of architect <laughs> that is encompassing both physical and virtual. And like you said, computational, but also sensory. Like it's so many, many multifaceted things that you do as an architect, not just one thing. So absolutely love that. Um, I want to talk a little bit about these virtual worlds, right? Mm. And, and, and certain, certain topics, right? Um, in your opinion, does the original vision for the metaverse still align with current developments? Mm. And what are some of the most prevalent misconceptions surrounding the concept, which is a very heated debate, obviously. Yeah. I would love your opinion on it. Yeah. And I think most, I mean, mostly because we saw such a huge rise of the metaverse or the concept of the metaverse coming from meta, you know, so that a couple of years ago, like impacted uh, a lot of different companies, both like technology, but also just like uh, like programmatic companies, like whether you work in, in health or in education, like you're seeing how that's potentially going to affect what it is that, that you're building or the services that you're providing. And I think that there's there's a lot of misconceptions for sure. Um, I would say I, I would first like to explain like how how it came to be. Because I think that a lot of people just like jump into like the metaverse, like where did this come from? Like, does this come out of video games or like what is the essence of it? And and I think the the, the most um, the, the most important thing is that is to understand that it's all about communication, um, like for culture and economy. It's like communication and transactions, and this is like what we're looking for with everything that we do. It's like what what is it? Whether your um, company or your brand is in, is in fashion or it's in health or like I said, education or maybe like even like an NGO environmental impact. You're looking for ways to communicate with your public and to best display what it is that the services that you provide and better provide services for them as well too, right? So during COVID, that we were all cooped up in our homes, um, all the physical activities, like there were so many restraints into like our connection into our activities that we saw, or like we witnessed this like huge activation of the virtual worlds, right? And a lot of virtual games, like Fortnite and Roblox and, and Minecraft um, started going from just like um, interactions and, and, and gamification to hosting more like traditional social programming from concerts, meetups, even schools. Um, I remember like Roblox having like some different courses of, of schools across oh, the graduations. World. My daughter had her graduation in, <laughs> in, in like Minecraft. It was fantastic. That's the only way they could be together at that moment. So. Yeah. Yeah. So it's thinking about like, it's not here to actually replace. Cause I think one of the misconceptions is like um, this medium is here to replace and it, it falls a lot into um, you know, um, Neil Stevenson's um, um, Snow Crash, which is like about escapism and like not not being, um, I guess, like not not being okay with the physical world that you have to create this virtual, almost like um, fantastic reality that ends up mirroring a lot of the physical problems as well. And with hackers and like all this chaotic environment that ends up being dystopic. But but in reality, it's about thinking of like what what are the core things that we need as humanity and the planet, right? Like, like, what are the services? Like, what are the connections? Like, what are the things that we need as humans? And and therefore, how are we using technology and um, the metaverse and spatial computing and these new environments to enhance that? So I think that um, just to just to like, um, summarize a little bit there, um, a lot of, like, um, I guess, like wrong turns happened mm -hmm. in the in the uh, in the beginning of the of the metaverse. Um, there were some very interesting things that were happening with um, concerts inside of Fortnite, mostly right, drawing tens, if not hundreds, of millions of of fans into the same places. Definitely started changing um, the business model in different ways in which artists and and brands could access their audience, right? Um, thinking about like this um, 
like multimedia strategy rather than only relying on physical assets, which is kind of the same way as how e-commerce has taken traditional stores into something that has global access. And I think all of that has been like incredibly powerful. Um, and, we'll, and we'll definitely talk more in detail of this, like as I go through some examples. Um, but I think some of the things that I kind of fell a trap to was like um, there was an economic trap, right, of this like virtual selling, virtual trading, um, too much of like this casino incentives um, when in fact it wasn't providing much value other than just like the trading itself, which at the long term doesn't end up being sustainable. And that's why most of the most of the metaverses that started off that way eventually crashed. And it, it's too much um, what we would call a commodities over community. So it's like, yeah. you know, selling commodities and not really caring about what the value add um, is for the audience or for the customers. Yeah. And, and to that point, because I, I want to get to the rest of the questions as well, is like, especially getting into some of the work that you've done in future of cities, right. And development mm. of the, how, how, how are future, you know, how do we start to design the cities of the future, but also the development of how future cities that already exist are going to develop. So how do you see emerging technologies like, you know, spatial computing or blockchain or brain computer interfaces or AI, which is the talk of the town, right? <laughs> uh, how do you see them playing a pivotal role in shaping the user experience or the living experience? in the future development of cities. And I, this is something that I know you're very passionate about and you do tons of work around the world in. Yeah, so I think, yeah, this is this is fascinating and also incredibly complex, right? Because when we think about cities, it, it, it takes on like a, a lot of different hierarchies of what a city is. There is the built environment, the is, there is the infrastructural, there's also the governments and the community, there's the transactions and everything that has to do um, with the monetary aspect of how things move inside of a city. And then there's the culture, the art, like the, the things that end up being like almost like a consequence of everything that has been physically built. And in this case, physically and virtually built. So I would say that in a way, um, I think a lot of times, like um, when we think about like the core value that things bring, it's it's never completely reinventing, um, but it, it's but it's also not like a like a small step from the existing technology either, right? Because like brain computer interface, like what can we compare that to? Um, but at the same time, we can kind of compare it to like how we click on a screen and maybe having AI having like these um, optimized or 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 more like um, uh, personalized um, uh, data that is coming out of it. That instead of it going through your through your mind to your hands to your computer, it's going directly from your brain to the computer, right? So it's like shortening or optimizing some of these processes. So I think that when we think about technology in that way, so spatial uh, computing or what we call AR, VR, um, you know, every, everyone's obviously uh, aware of the differences between these two, but I think uh, this sense of like three-dimensional virtual reality is something that we haven't explored as much, even if Oculus made a very big hit and now Apple as well um, is doing so. It's something that we don't have completely integrated in our systems because we're still like very locked down to like a two-dimensional phone or a two-dimensional um, laptop, right? So there's something super interesting about like the non-architects because as an architect and designer, you get used to working in these three-dimensional worlds, but to have access to like, what does it mean to have like these three-dimensional experiences, right? So, um, and then of course, AI, you can think about um, every, everything from like um, chatbots to um, energy optimization to like mobility and how that's going to be tracked. Like you can think of AI just being able to optimize those processes. So I would say in future of cities, 
Um, I would categorize it as like smart infrastructure and urban planning. Like how are we going to be using these as like visualization tools, um, but also like um, predictive tools. So that's where like digital twins and simulation plays a big role. Um, the predictive analysis and data-driven decision-making um, falls a lot into that space. Um, smart mobility is also like a, like a very big one um, inside of infrastructure, of course. Um, then when it comes to like the, the buildings or like how we actually build spaces um, within an urban landscape, um, from property sales to management, I think blockchain is going to play like a very important role into all, how all of that is being streamlined. Um, and then uh, very importantly, um, I would say energy efficiency and sustainability. Like how are we going to be able to like fully, fully energy, um, optimize energy consumption, um, but also just like um, supply chain analytics, I think is also very important when, when it comes to um, energy consumption, because we're not taking into account like the full carbon footprint of the whole process, right? And right now, if we were to map the entire world and see how it's operating, it's completely inefficient. Like we're seeing things like, yeah. including like, like I, I, I'm living, um, like in, in, in LA, but like I visit my parents a lot in Colombia. And when I come here, like I, I see like some of the, so many products that go out to come back in, you know, that are being like the, the original product is, is being yeah. here. It goes out, it ends up being packaged somewhere else. And then eventually like a couple of weeks and, and three countries later, it returns to the country. Right. So there's something like completely inefficient about these processes right now that I think like all of these like visualization optimization tools would, would be great. Um, and then, we, we've talked about this too, but I think that um, like um, engagement of citizens and governance, like all of this of like how DAOs are going to play a role into the cities of the future um, is, is going to be incredible, right? Because it's really like democratizing the space in a lot of different ways. Um, and then the last one I would say, just like security and privacy, um, transparency, that also comes a lot with both blockchain and AI, which is going gonna, gonna to be very fundamental to how we build the future of cities. Indeed. I mean, wow, that, that was so much. I loved it though. That was great. <laughs> Um, so when you think about the, what are the fundamental advantages, you know, of, of integrating our physical and virtual mm. spaces, you know, how, how does that concept differ from, you know, existing technologies or platforms? Let's talk a little bit of, of what do you see that because you are, are kind of at that, that, you know, in, in the middle of that, right. Being an architect and also understanding XR and everything you're in the kind of in this really interesting kind of, you know, bird's eye view of sorts so yeah and i think um like like even how the how the question is framed like i think most people think about the metaverse as just like a virtual space right they're not yeah. really thinking about like this integration with the physical world which i think is the most important part right that we're supposed yeah. to integrate uh, but expand right it's not about creating something that we want to escape from because again that's kind of what we want to avoid we want to be able to improve this world but also be able to have access to to more content for community accepted. And I always say to me, I always say like the physical world is part of the metaverse. It just hasn't been fully enabled. So I, yeah. I love that we both align on, on that perspective. Yeah, absolutely. So I would say that I, I would uh, I would break it down into um, what would be experience. Like what is the experience, mm -hmm. um, whether it's a brand experience or it's a building or it's a city, like what is the experience? Um, community, which is about how individuals interact within those experiences. Um, economy, which is basically the transactions that happen within that community, and then impact. I, I always love talking about impact, social, environmental, like anything impact that you can imagine, because if we're not thinking about this uh, consistently through our work, um, whether implicitly or explicitly, um, it just doesn't get done, right? And I think that just that, uh, the same way that we want to integrate the physical into the virtual, because we don't want to leave it behind, 
if we don't integrate impact into um, the daily practices and the communities and the companies that we build, then it's going to get left behind as well. And, and it shouldn't be treated just like a something philanthropic that happens at the end, but it should definitely be something that's happening um, at the same time. Yeah. And, and what are some examples? Like give some people examples of, of, of this convergence. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'll walk you through three examples. Um, one that's entertainment, talking about like a virtual physical concert. Another one that um, is going to be education. And then another one that's going to be environmental impact. So you can kind of see like um, across industries, like how this plays out. So um, just like in, in super quick summary, um, virtual concert happening physical at the same time. So whether it's Lady Gaga or it's um, Taylor Swift, people want to see them live, right? Like once you connect with an artist, you want to see them live. And, and you want to have also not just the experience of being able to, to see them, to listen to them, to be part of the world that they're creating on their stages. Um, but you also want to be part of the community and hear the cheers and be, you know, coming together to actually get the excitement of being in a concert or, or any of these like musical experiences. Um, but what happens is that um, any of these concerts that happen physically are capped by the amount of people that fit inside of a stadium, right? And how many days can the artist tour? And how many years will this artist tour? So eventually they end up being capped to maybe a million, maximum two million per tour of fans that they get to see. And when you talk about like some of these big artists um, that have 40 to, I think Taylor Swift has over 200 million followers, you're ending up with less than 1% of their audience reach, which is very unfavorable, right? So it's like, Unless you get to like clone her, which was not happening anytime soon, <laughs> that we know of like the the Dolly of <laughs> of, of Taylor Swift. Who knows, right? Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> we just have her in every city. Um, <laughs> yeah. Then then an another way to do this is to actually think about the concert being simultaneously happening in both a physical and virtual environment, where the people that act got the opportunity to access to the physical. Um, because of like cost constraints and location constraints, et cetera, will attend. But then the ones that don't also get some what of an experience that in some way could be more exciting than the physical one, because you can create a lot of things in the virtual world that you can't in the physical. So I think that's a great example um, that also uh, is very favorable for the artists as well. Um, audience reach, of course, brings um, a lot of different um um, advantages like uh, to for them to like um, being able to expand the revenue streams artists in a way like have also gone through this transition of like making their their money through album sales through that not making much money through uh, the, all these platforms like audio platforms to then having to go through concerts um, and then going to even have brands to represent their their brand so like makeup brands or etc so there's something like very very beautiful about thinking that these virtual experiences are not just a website it's something that goes beyond that it's a space that allows people to actually interact in them and allows to have like the whole ecosystem that these um artists represent right so it's their music it's their artistry it's the brands that they build it's the endorsements that they have it's also their ngo and, and the and the impact that they're doing through um, I think a lot of artists are like very plugged into environmentalism, mental health. Like you'll you'll see like a lot of the great things that they care about being represented um, through the philanthropical efforts that they do as well. So there's something really cool about having that integrated. So that's the example of entertainment and artists. Um, for education, um, I think for for education, like I think that the biggest thing to know is that. I don't know if people are aware of this, but between like uh, what we call children, that is like below um, 16 years old, there's close to 2 billion children in the world right now. It's like 1.9 children 
<laughs> billion children in the world. So you can imagine how many of these are actually getting the proper educations and which are not, right? And when it comes to like designing education, like how much is it prevalent to have physical education versus virtual education that could be highly curated, that could have, you know, AI integration for tutoring and for a lot of like personalized content, et cetera. Um, but right now, because it's either one or or, you go to a physical school or you're basically uneducated and the savvy jump on YouTube and do it and the others just don't, then there is th this very strict divide about those who can actually get educated and those that don't, right? And I think that all these like great technologies that are coming on board are just gonna extend the capabilities of educating. Um, in terms of the experience, um, you know, you can imagine VR and AR being a much cooler experience than a book or having to hear someone. And then AI just giving you like all of this like, um, personalization, like we said, that will help you, you know, learn at your pace and your interests, etc. So if this could be something that is somewhat free, you know, like Khan Academy has done and different companies have done in so long, and then the people that attend physical schools, um, you know, pay for the physical access and, you know, but then they could maybe subsidize the virtual one for the others. There's something that I think is worth um, specking out as to like how we can actually distribute education in in a more in a in a more um, homogeneous way that gives access to everyone yeah. with good content and with like more equitable, content. more accessible. Yeah, absolutely, definitely agree. Yeah, and then the last one, um, social environmental impact. Um, I worked on two, like one that is current right now, and one that I worked um, four years ago at this point, um, which I think like really, like really stroke a, a, a chord there. Um, the, the first one was super forest, which is a video game, um, multiplayer video game. So it's almost like a sim city, but instead of building cities, you're building forests, like these magical, um, forest environments or like spirit animals and like all these cool things happening in there. But every tree that was planted virtually was planted in real life. And this is with NGO partnerships around the world. So again, like when you talk about numbers and you think that I think over 3 billion people play video games right now, imagine if 3 billion yeah, people- One in three, were, one in three yeah, yeah, are consider, consider themselves gamers, which exactly. is an amazing number. So imagine like each of these planting one tree a year, like we'd already be going through like the carbon offset in a, in a, in a much more efficient way than anything else. So it'd be like fun. Um, it would also bring a lot of like, um, awareness to um, like positive awareness, right? Because I don't think awareness has to necessarily be negative, but positive awareness of climate change and all the different, um, you know, impact that we're doing on the planet that isn't favorable and in action. Um, most people feel like they don't know how to act on the things that they want to see in the world because, um, I mean, originally it was more like government-based. I think now there's, there's a lot more um, you, you see that private companies are doing a, a lot more, providing more services that have impact. So it's not just the governments alone. Um, but I think if kids were playing, knowing that they're feeding people in, you know, in, in, you know, populations that are under development or they're helping clean the ocean or they're helping reforest the planet just by playing, which they're already going to be playing. Um, then what, what is this like huger benefit that can come, um, not only in the impact, but in the future consciousness of the society that we're building. So I think there's something very, very, very positive there. And then the project that I'm working right now, which is called Sea Trust, um, I can't speak much, much of it, but but it is along the lines of land conservation done through fractionalized ownership of physical land. So it's like, how can everyone participate in the land conservation globally 
Um, but actually not, not just like through like an NGO or like, uh, you know, a philanthropic effort, but, but being able to have stake in the land and ownership of the land, um, which will accumulate over time. And at the end, it ends up being a very positive investment. Um, so I think there's just like so many cool things that, that could be done um, with examples that, you know, that could, that could provide frameworks for, for future buildings as well. That's fantastic. And I think a lot of, a lot of companies and brands can learn from, from those, those, some of those examples and some of the ones that you're going to be working, you're working on that we'll learn more about in the future. Um, so I, I kind of want to ask you like towards the end now, um, you know, what, what emerging tech, what advancements are you most excited about when you look towards the future? Like, what are you really excited about right now? What, what's the magic technology that you're kind of like excited about? I would say more than the technology per se, because I think that um, technology definitely um, ad advances over over the years, over the cent centuries. And um, I mean, I'm excited about all of it. I mean, um, you know, brain computer oh, I'm with you. <laughs> optics, like like be. I think all all of these things could be so so intricate and so interesting. I mean, with haptics, it makes me think a lot about. Um, there's a concept that I like to talk about, which is like a synesthesia of data of like how we can switch um, senses one thing to another, like could movement turn into sound, could touch turn into taste, like being able to like become more synesthetic into like how we experience the world, both physically and virtually. Um, like I definitely like um, from a creative standpoint, that's that's one of the things that that I'm most excited about, about like, expression and creating. I would say also um user-generated content and how AI is playing a role in that is definitely very exciting for me because whether it's building a physical building or building it in Roblox, I think for, for so long, um, the hierarchy of how things got built um, was too constrained for the professionals, for the experts, for whoever already had built seven buildings can finally do the first museum in their life, right? And being able to change this into something that we have very easy tools to produce the content or produce the experiences that if they gain traction and if they build the community around it, they could actually get built in real life. That's completely like flipping over the, the hierarchy uh, structure that we have right now. And it's going to give opportunities to so many people to, to have their voice heard and have like a, a lot more options into the content that's being created. Um, yeah, I think th those are the things that, that no, that's fantastic. excite me. And, and, and back to like, um, I would say like a combination of user generated content and this like more democratized governance. Um, there is this sense of like an un unprecedented opportunity that we have in the metaverse that's then going to translate in the physical world that everyone can actually play a role that it's not just about again the big companies yeah. or, or or the expert that everyone in some way can play a role in shaping it and when everyone feels empowered into shaping the future i think that that's that's when a better future gets built that's fantastic and I'm sure plenty of people are listening to this and like, how do I, how do I get in contact with this woman? Um, so where can people find you? How can they connect with you? Yeah. So, so my name is Pico Velasquez. Um, my Instagram is Pico Velasquez. My LinkedIn is Pico Velasquez. My, my, my private website, which is like of the work that I've done so far as an architect and as a director is PII.co, um, like Pico with double I. And then my latest company, which is the one that's working mostly with blockchain, like Web3 uh, blockchain and AI to integrate physical and virtual, it's called Vira, V-I-R-R-A dot I-O. Yes. Fantastic. Well, Pico, <laughs> thanks for bringing your magic to Tech Magic. No, thank you so much, Kathy, for having me. All right. So that was a great interview with Pico Velasquez. She's fantastic extremely, extremely knowledgeable, creative person. I just think everyone should keep their their eyes on, on what she's doing. So 
Yeah, Lee. Okay. Now that we've um, listened to that interview and de-stressed, what do you think about, you know, design, architecture, technology, any thoughts? I mean, architecture to me and in industrial design specifically has always been a major use case for spatial computing in general. Um, It's an area that I think uh, those who are in the know know that like that's where a big chunk of the focus is for not only just like new hardware but spatial computing and sensors in general um i think this is the home that magic leap found a really comfortable place in as well uh, and it's only going to continue to grow yeah i agree aec is one of the one of the verticals uh, architecture engineering, engineering design um that i was kind of a part of when i was at magic leap and definitely very very strong vertical so now we're going to have Lily, our amazing producer, Lily Snyder, join us for uh, this patch from the Fringe. And since we'll be talking about VR for working out, she's going to tell us how virtual reality is actually going uh, to the International Space Station uh, and it's finding a house uh, in space. It's, it's being, you know, used in, in, in space with astronauts. So Lily, welcome to the show. Hi, Kathy and Lee. Happy to be back on the pod. So tell us a little bit about Dispatch from the Fringe and what's going on with virtual reality in space. In this week's Dispatch from the Fringe, the HTC Vive 3 is planned to launch into space on November 7th. The HTC Vive is a virtual reality headset, and it's scheduled to go on a NASA resupply to the International Space Station. It's on a mission to improve astronauts' mental stress from things like lack of privacy, high and variable workloads, and separation from loved ones. Virtual reality isn't new to NASA or space, though. In the 1980s, work at NASA's Amex Research Center impacted technology that led to Nintendo's Power Glove. And in 2015, NASA and Microsoft co-developed HoloLens software so that ground-based crew could see what astronauts see and mark things off in their field of view. Plus, virtual reality has been used for training on the ground. What makes this different is that the HTC adjusted for a spatial orientation problem in the software. So when we create our virtual reality boundaries here on Earth, we usually draw markers on the floor. But that's difficult to do when you're floating in zero gravity in a space station. So HTC had to uh, make up for that problem by using one of the controllers as the tracker instead of the floor. So this is just a test run for the HTC Vive 3 and its mental health software um, called XR Health. And the company hopes that it will just be the beginning of more to come and for astronauts to be able to talk to friends and family back on Earth. Back to you, Kathy and Lee. All right. That was fascinating, Lily. I mean, I have so many questions about... <laughs> about how it's all going to work out. Are we going to take it to the moon? Is it going to go to Mars? I'm sure it will. But Lee, would you use, if you were an astronaut, astronaut, would you use virtual reality? I think there's a use case there that makes a lot of sense. My, the part that is brought up in many of the articles is the motion sickness due to weightlessness and not mm-hmm. in getting disoriented. And there's a solution for it, but I can't wrap my head around how that works. That doesn't mean it doesn't work. Let me mind you, I'm not smart (laughs) enough to know why that works, but I would have to try it before it made a whole lot of sense um, of like, oh, this is how we solved solved that issue. Um, So I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I'm not a heights guy. So getting me 
into space is probably your bigger hurdle than putting me in putting you in VR in space. Um, I was actually part of really early on some conversations about VR in space, or very really early on. Um, so you know, I love space. It's one of my like one of the things I, I keep tabs on for sure. So anyway, fascinating dispatch from the fringe. Okay, Lee, another great week in the book. Another one in the can. Yeah, another great week. So um, thank you for joining me. And I just want to say thanks to everyone that's listening to the podcast. Give us some reviews. We need more reviews. We need more folks, uh, you know, sharing the podcast. It's been very well received. We're starting to look really good in in some charts, Um, you know, so we're really excited. Thanks to everyone that's listening to Tech Magic. And, you know, please subscribe, leave us reviews, and um, we'll be back next week for for some more magic. Come for the tech and stay for the magic. What do you think of that tagline, Lee? I love it. Sure. (laughs) Why not? Print it. Yes, there we go. We'll get t-shirts. Come (laughs) for the tech, stay for the magic. Um, But thank you to everyone that's listened and we'll be back next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.